I want to invite you to once again turn back to the book of Exodus. We're in chapter 12, and we have seen God bring his last plague upon the people of Egypt and how he spared the children of Israel. And he said, I'm going to set a difference between these two groups of people. And he provided that lamb, that Passover lamb, and we looked how it represented the true Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that in the plan of redemption, there has always been a Lamb, and we rejoice in the Lord for the Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. This was such a significant event in the story of Exodus and in the history of the redemption of the people of God that God determined that this event, the Passover, and what is also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they are synonymous together, that this was something that his people were going to observe from now until the time that he would return. Now, when the Lord Jesus was here, the last Hebrew Passover occurred with him and the disciples, and he transitioned the Passover to what we uh, call the Lord's Supper and uh, or our communion together but it it is very similar in the um, in the uh, examples of redemption that are illustrated in both and so we want to just look at that today how that God said I I want y'all to relive this moment uh, in your lives and have it he called it it's going to be a feast It's going to be a memorial, and it's going to be an ordinance forever among the people of God. And what we really want to to talk about and get us to think about in regards to this is living an unleavened life. And that's the title of our message this morning, an unleavened life. We know that that leaven is that that is put inside uh, the dough that we use to make bread. And when the leaven goes into the lump of bread, to the wheat, that it causes the bread to expand, and it's what makes bread puffed up. And so flatbread, like tortillas or crackers, it's flat and because it doesn't have that leaven in it that causes it to rise, that causes it to be puffed up. And God was going to use this throughout scriptures. Leaven was going to be a symbol of sin or pride. And so Christ, his body, is represented as unleavened bread. There was no vanity in him. There was nothing that was puffed up about him. And it's a description of the type of life that God desires for his people to live. And so I want you to just challenge yourself this morning. I want to challenge myself Am I living an unleavened life? So let's look at this and get our parameters here in the scripture for this wonderful institution and ordinance that God set for his people to observe. Exodus chapter 12, we begin in verse 14 and we'll read through verse 20. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, underline memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast, underline feast, to the Lord throughout your generations. 
Ye shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance, underlying ordinance forever. So this is something that God says is going to be very important and special to you. It's going to be a feast, a celebration. It's going to be a memorial. It's something that I actually want you to relive this day in your heart, in your mind, throughout all the rest of the ages of time. And he said, and it's so important, I'm making it a rule. I'm making it an ordinance that you're to observe. Now, this, were the de- this was the details. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I just want to stop right there. Of salvation by grace. That there's no work that we can do of our own uh, to make us be redeemed to God. The blood had to be shed and then they ate of the unleavened bread. And that is, of course, for us by faith to eat uh, and drink of Christ is salvation indeed. And when we believe, beloved, by faith we have eaten and drank of him. Now, verse 17, And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitations shall ye eat unleavened bread. There's so many interesting things in this feast. And even beyond just the biblical record, the traditions of the Jewish people in regards to how that they kept this feast over the centuries. I think that it's very interesting that the Lord said that you'll only keep this for seven days. Seven is the number of completion and of perfection. It's a a cycle that finishes itself. And so when we, it's so unique that he said you're going to observe this for seven days. And then when we look in the scriptures, the times that it is recorded that the Passover was observed, it is recorded seven times. In scripture, and, and I just want to briefly go through that because I think that that's just neat. It's interesting how God does things like that in his providence and in his uh, inspiration of the scripture. So the first Passover that, that is mentioned is the one that they kept in Egypt that we've been reading and studying about. The next one is when the one that they observed when they were in the wilderness, and it is recorded. Then the third one. Uh, happened when they came into the land of Canaan and the first one that they uh, celebrated in the land in the promised land is also recorded and then we have some ones that were amazing 
during the time of the kings. One of them we're going to look at in particular. The fourth one was during the reign of King Hezekiah. It's recorded. And then the fifth one, the one that we'll look at a little bit later for its significance, was in the days of good King Josiah. And then the sixth one that is recorded is when the children of Israel came back from Babylonian captivity and they kept the Passover again. And then the last Passover that is recorded in Scripture is actually the last Passover. It is what is known as the Last Supper. When Jesus observed that with his disciples and then transitioned us into the New Testament observance of the Lord's Supper, of of communion. And so I just think that that's really interesting that God said you keep this seven days and then there are seven recordings. And the last recording is when the Passover lamb and the bread of heaven himself was present to uh, celebrate it with the people of God and usher in a new day. And so there's so many things that we can bring out of this. And I hope that the things that the Lord has led us to will be a great blessing to you today. And so when we think about the unleavened bread, we think about the unleavened life, about what that looks like and what that means. And why did God take something that is so primary, something that is so simple, such as bread, to be his symbol uh, for us to remember and to use and to think about and to observe. Well, we know even when he taught us how to pray in the model prayer or the Lord's prayer, one of the things that we are to even pray for is, Lord, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. It's We need sustenance uh, to live upon. And so we see what's so beautiful in the uh, Passover lamb and the blood that was shed for our redemption and to give us life. Here also bread is given to sustain that life and to give us strength to rise up and to go serve the Lord. And so the first thing that I would like us to consider about the unleavened life is that it is truly a life without emptiness and without hunger. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Marvin and I, we've, and Brother Jeff, several of you have been to other parts of the world. And usually in other parts of the world, in poorer parts of the world, they only get about one good meal a day. Those people look and face hunger, physical hunger, almost every day of their lives. You know, we, uh, me and Marvin and Eli and Drew, we did not live the unleavened life yesterday. <laughs> We we ate a big breakfast. We we went to uh, I took him to Cozy Corner and we had we had ribs and leavened bread and I'm just talking about uh, dietary in a dietary way. We received physical fullness uh, yesterday in regards uh, to our diet. But beloved, when we look out among our culture, when I see the the children that I teach. There is an emptiness in this world. There is a famine that has nothing to do with physical food. Emptiness of soul. An empty life. 
people that are hungering and trying to fill their lives with things that will never satisfy. You know what I speak of. And those of us that lived any length of time of life before we were converted, before God filled us and gave us living waters and gave us that bread of heaven, we also pursued those types of things. In the psalm that Brother Jeff read, Psalm 86, at the end, David's a prayer of David. And he said, Lord, I, I want a token. At the end, did you read that? He said, Lord, give me a, a token for good. Well, beloved, the unleavened bread and the feast here and the memorial and the ordinance, God said, this will be a token unto you forever that I am going to satisfy you. That Christ is all that you need. Feed and feast upon Him and live an unleavened life. A life without emptiness and hunger. Just turn with me a few chapters over and we'll get this expression and rejoice in it. Today, if you know Jesus, if you know the true Lamb of God, if you know the true bread of heaven, that you have hungered and thirsted for righteousness and you have been filled and your life is not one of constant emptiness and hunger but it is a life of fulfillment and purpose rejoice in that and see that here in this passage that that God and Jehovah is saying at the very beginning when we're starting out in this life of freedom and redemption together, at the very beginning of the calendar of your year, what I'm going to show you is that you are to celebrate your union with me, that you're to celebrate your identity with me, and that I will fill you and satisfy you with that which is good. And that is where we begin with God. Here in Exodus 23, we read this. This is beautiful. Let your heart feast upon this. In verse 15, Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Now, like we said, the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread are things that were observed together. It was two parts to the same thing. You had the uh, the Passover was more about the lamb that was set aside and sacrificed. and But the bread and the lamb were connected together. I think that that's very fitting in regards to our teaching about the fullness of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And so I just want you to understand that when you're reading that in the scriptures, that those things are synonymous together. They're two parts to the same thing. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days. I commanded thee in the time appointed in the month of Abib. That's the first month in the calendar year for the people of Israel. For in it thou camest out from Egypt. Now highlight this in your heart and mind. And none shall appear before me. What? What? Finish it for me. Empty. Empty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. None of you that appeared before me would appear before me in emptiness. God, listen to me. God desires for us to live a satisfied and abundant life. 
Jesus taught that the thief, the devil makes promises. He made promises uh, to our parents. He said, no, he said, don't trust God. Don't trust that God can satisfy you with what God had given. God had given them everything that they needed in uh, the Garden of Eden. But the devil tempted them by saying, no, take this leaven. You need this leaven of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God is trying to keep something from you that is better or that, sat, that truly satisfies but the, Jesus said that the thief has come to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, and that you might have life more abundant. God desires for us to live a satisfied and abundant life. A life without emptiness. I'm talking about inside emptiness. Without inside or soul hunger. But he satisfies the soul. And here at the beginning of the journey of redemption, what he is teaching them is you don't need the flesh pots of Egypt. You don't need the world. You have me, and I'm going to provide what you need. Here at the very beginning, he said, and I want, and I want you to feast on it, and I want you to be completely satisfied and saturated with it and to be full of strength to go forward and serve me. And then, even when they didn't have anything in the wilderness, beloved, he rained manna from heaven. For them, and it never ceased as long as they needed it. God provided it, and He filled His people not only with uh, the bread, but with quail as well. Isn't that amazing? He allows us also, His people, to feast on His Word. Beloved, aren't you, aren't you so glad that you have the Word of God to fill up the longings of of your faith and of your hope and, and of your soul. Oh, beloved, learn not just to have how to take a morsel from this daily bread or just a, a little but Learn how and pray, God, teach me how to feast upon your word so that I won't want anything that the devil might tempt me with. Pack the Bible in your heart. He allows us to feast on His Word, and to feast even on Himself as the bread of life. I think that it's so fitting that our Lord Jesus Christ was born in the city of Bethlehem. Right? The city of David. Brother Jeff, spoiler alert over here to the right. Yes, because the name of the city of Bethlehem where Jesus was born, the name of it means house of bread. So how fitting that he that is called the bread of heaven and the bread of life when he came and they chose the place of his birth that he was born in Bethlehem, the very house of bread. And so here at the beginning of God's exodus, of of their escaping out of Egypt, God provides the lamb. He sets them free from the fear of death. He breaks their chains and then he fills them with what they need to go and serve Him. Oh, beloved, I challenge you, live the unleavened life. You don't need the cotton-coated, candied pleasures of this world. What you need is Christ, and He satisfies the hungry every time. Oh, bread of heaven, feed me till I hunger no more. Let me be satisfied with you, born 
In the house of bread, Christ was and proclaimed the bread of heaven. Go with me to the book of John. I remember this so much as our uh, beloved brother preached through this book. And there's so much here in chapter 6 that speaks about we have Jesus feeding uh, the 5,000 and it says that when he finished, that everybody was full, right? Nobody was, was empty. And then the baskets, too. Even though they had fed 5,000, they were still filled to the brim through the blessing of the Lord. But let's just pick up some of this language here that is so beautiful here. Um, uh, I want us to just start in verse 31 there's just so much in here that you could go and read about today if you wanted and i'm just going to get a little bit of the highlight of it verse 31 our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat now this isn't the unleavened bread of the unleavened feast but it's likened to it then jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, here's one of the famous I am's, right? I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And there's much more there that he taught about that that could be dug into. But I just want you to see in Jesus Christ. And isn't it amazing that in the Last Supper, he took the matzah, he took the unleavened bread, and to think about, what was going through his mind as he took that, that had so long pictured himself. And now he that was born in the house of bread and was the bread of heaven and the bread of life himself now took that matzah. And when he broke it, he knew what it meant more than any when he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take ye and eat ye all of it. Oh, how powerful it was uh, now to understand and, and to see that after he finished the work of redemption. And as they looked back and they began to piece these things together and how much that more that it meant to them than it ever had before in their lives as the, as the apostles and disciples when they celebrated it uh, before and so what we learn is that the unleavened life and this feast of unleavened bread and the passover is to teach us is that god has decided that for his people their life will be a life without emptiness and hunger but it will be a life of fulfillment and satisfaction and what he's teaching us is that we do not need the world we do not need egypt to be filled or fulfilled. Amen. Amen. So I challenge myself. And I challenge you because I know it's a challenge. 
Because that's what this world and how the devil has designed it, and that's what he's whispering to us every day. You need something else besides Christ to be satisfied, but it's a lie. Feast on him. Feast on his bread and be filled. Feast and remember and obey. Now, so it is a life, number one, a life without emptiness and hunger. That's what we're seeing here. He said, I, I did it so that none of you would be empty before me. Now, secondly, it is a life of remembering and rejoicing. It is a life of remembering and rejoicing. I, I don't want you, you don't have to turn uh, to it, but I'm going to turn, and if you want to, you can, to uh, Jeremiah's Lamentation. And you said, well, Brother Nathan, that's a, that's a weird uh, place uh, to turn. But sometimes, beloved, this life is so full of disappointment. Sometimes our lives are, are shattered, even to our hopes and to our dreams. And we need something that will hold us. We need something to remember and to rejoice in, even when it seems that all else has crumbled around us. Well, this is it. This is it. God says, I'm giving you a token. I'm giving you a memorial. I'm giving you a feast and an ordinance that you can remember forever and you can observe year after year in good times and in bad throughout all the ebbs and flows of history and time. It will remain that I passed over you, that I fulfilled you with bread and set you free. And I'm your God. And you're my people. Beloved, let that hold you and cast out your soul onto eternity on that here all that Jeremiah feared in his life and for the nation of Israel had come to pass the enemy had come in the army destroyed the temple burnt all the precious things of God taken away the people that had been set free from Egypt now led in chains to Babylon, Jeremiah saw the, the line of the kings slain before the eyes of the king and in their own king's eyes put out and Jerusalem burnt before his eyes. So what would he have to hope in? What joy could he possibly have? Well, he still had this. Listen in Lamentations chapter 3 and listen to the language here. He said, my soul hath them still in what? Remembrance. That's what a memorial is. A memorial, what God said is when you come to the first month of the year, and at that tenth month, and, and, all, and you know at that first month, there were ten days until the Passover began, they started looking for that land. Right? That they started even at the very first of the month. And by the way, Abib, the month of Abib, the, the, the Hebrew word Abib means wheat. It is the month of bread. And how fitting that God knew that this is when the harvest would come and they would have everything that they needed for the feast. But anyway, it's the month of Abib, the month of wheat. And they, they began to look, they began to look for that lamb because... As they, they sacrificed that lamb and they ate that lamb 
And then they took the, and they got all the leaven out of their houses. They removed the leaven from their lives to be consecrated uh, to God, to be holy to God, to be one with God, to live an unleavened life at the beginning of their calendar year. What God really wanted them to do is He wanted them to relive that night. He wanted them to relive that event. And beloved, is that not a lot what happens with us spiritually when we take the Lord's Supper? Oh, when that bread is broken, when that wine is poured, does your soul, does your faith not take you back to Calvary and where our eternal redemption was obtained? Oh, beloved, God has said, you will do that. Jesus said, you will do this in remembrance of what? Of me. It's a memorial. I want you to relive it in your heart and in your life and know what all that it means for you. Even when all else fails. All else had failed for Jeremiah here in this chapter. He says, but my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have what? Hope. Hope. Oh, beloved, know that in this, that, that obedience equals rejoicing. Obedience equals rejoicing. I love in this passage, as you read through this in Exodus, it says that God told Moses these things, that Moses went and told the elders, and the elders went and told the people, and everybody did exactly what God told them to do. Isn't that awesome? And I'm telling you, when we get, can get to that point as individuals, as, as an assembly, as a nation, oh, how God would bless us. God says, prove me. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings about you that you can't contain. But we still won't leaven too much. We don't remember. We, we don't rejoice in what we have and how and be satisfied with it like that we should. But I love this in the, in the chapter here. Uh, that, that they were to remember this. And, and it was for them reliving. And not just reliving. But when they relived it to rejoice. To remember how God is. And who God is. And what God has done. And who they are. It wasn't just to identify the Lord for them. But it was to identify them. Who they were. And so it does. Here back in Exodus 12, we're going to skip over to parts that I didn't read just quickly to verse 26 through 28. You know, memory is an amazing thing. And it shall come to pass, verse 26, when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? What? The kids are saying, why are we getting rid of all the leaven out of the house? We like the, we like the leaven bread. <laughs> what do you mean, Daddy? You're going you're gonna to kill. You're going to take the very best lamb or goat that we have, and you're going to kill it? That's the one we need to uh, use to make our flock better? What, what, what does this mean? You know, why do we have to go to church every Sunday? Mom and dad, nobody else is. Why are we reading this old, archaic book? No one else is anymore. 
Uh, why don't we do all the things that the world does? Because we're not of the world. We belong to God. Right. We don't live the leavened life. We live the unleavened life. The world wants to forget God. The world wants to forget the cross. The world wants to forget the Bible. But we remember. And not only do we remember, but when we do remember, we rejoice. And that's what happened as they did this year after year. They said, what mean ye by this service? 27. That ye shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed their head and worshiped. And listen, and the children of Israel went away and did and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Hallelujah. May we all pray to live that kind of life. A life of obedience that, live, that leads to rejoicing. Beloved, the ordinances are for our joy. Can I get an amen? amen? Who's ever been sad after they have taken the bread and the wine? Who has ever been sad, Brother Jeff? Have you ever seen one sad after they came up from the watery grave? No, they were happy. And they go their way rejoicing because obedience equals rejoicing. And God has given us His law and His ordinances for our good. Amen. And for our blessing. Yeah. And for our rejoicing. So cling to them, beloved. Cling to them. Remember them. Relive them in your heart, in your mind. Tell your children about them. I've really been enjoying a book that I'm reading about Ben Carson. Amazing, gifted neurosurgeon for children. Many of you are familiar with him. I'm reading his book, Gifted Hands. And the first whole first part of the book is about him looking back at his life and remembering what shaped him and what made him into the person that he became. And it's hard to read. This man lived a tough, tough childhood. His mother, and he talks about his mother. Wasn't it Abraham Lincoln that said, uh, everything that I am or ever will be, I owe to my mother, right? Ben Carson felt this way about his mother. His mother had a third grade education. That's all that she had. She came out of a family of like uh, 20-something children. Y'all, she married, Ben Carson's father was 28. She married his daddy when she was 13 years old. She became a wife and then a mother. And the father abandoned them, and they, she was left with two boys she struggled with uh, uh, depression. This woman, he says, she worked uh, two jobs and pushed them and loved them. And she said this, she burned this, she brand this in my mind. She said, Ben, you were not born to be a failure. And he didn't. He didn't become a failure. And just reading through the, the struggles that they have is just amazing. But it's so awesome that him looking back and remembering and reliving that 
caused him to rejoice, even though that it was so hard, even though it was so difficult that God put people in his life to be there for him, to help him, to set an example on how God used all those hardships to build him into the man that he would become and, and put drive in him to reach his full potential. Beloved, God said, I want you to do this year after year after year. And I just want us to go uh, to the book of Second Chronicles just to uh, kind of break into a historic moment because there, there were times, you know, in the ebb and flow of Israel's history, as we know, there were times that they really turned away from God, like Brother Jeff said. And they went after uh, mammon. They went after the gods of this world, and, and they forgot the Lord, their God. But then God would revive them. He would cause them to remember and rejoice. And so here in Second Chronicles... It was during the reign of King Josiah, and he said, y'all, he said, they, they read the law, the covenant, and they said, we, we got to remember the Passover, and he reinstituted the Passover, and it was such a wonderful moment in their history, and it is recorded here, 1 Corinthians 35, and I just want to just break into it. it all this chapter is about it. Uh, beginning in chapter 1, Moreover, Josiah kept a Passover unto the Lord in Jerusalem. And he did it just right, didn't he? Because he killed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. But let's just skip over it. It's really neat to see how he brought all the people together in obedience and remembering and rejoicing. That's what the unleavened life is. Verse 17. And the children of Israel that were present kept the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. Remember I told you it's synonymous, right? And listen, and there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet. Neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept. And the priests and the Levites and all Judah and Israel that were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And so you just read about that. And it was such a great time of remembering and rejoicing. And the key there is the obedience. The unleavened life is a life of remember and rejoicing for the obedient. For the obedient. And may the Lord bless us. This was... From the time of the, of, uh, the uh, first Passover in Exodus to the time of Josiah was a thousand years. It was a millennium in between. And they were still keeping the Passover. Hallelujah. Now, thirdly, as we move and as we continue on. So, we've said that the unleavened life, it is a life that is not one of emptiness and non-fulfillment. We said it's one of remembering and rejoicing. But here we, we come in really to the heart of it. That the unleavened life and this feast and the Passover, what it was all about to teach Israel and to teach us, is that our life and the unleavened life is to be a life of sanctification and consecration. A life of sanctification and consecration. What do those words mean? 
Sanctification is the process of God making us holy. It's the process of God setting us apart. Remember, he said that I'm going to make a difference between the children of Egypt and the children of Israel. He sanctified them. And here in the first month of Abib, in the 10th day to the 21st day, that's what he's doing. He reminded them year after year, you're not a part of this world. You're not a part of the peoples of this world. You belong to my kingdom. You belong to me. You belong to one another. Your life is not your own. You've been bought and paid for. And I've sanctified you and I've set you apart. You must be different. And you must be consecrated. Not, you know, the unleavened bread wasn't just there for them to look at, was it, Brother Jeff? It was there for them to eat. It was there for them to use. The command was to rise up and go and serve the Lord, right? So that's what consecration is about, is that no matter if it's I'm a teacher, no matter if I'm a nurse, no matter if I'm a carpenter, no matter if I'm a retired person, wherever I'm at, whatever stage or calling, or whatever I'm doing in my life, the number one agenda is, is that I'm consecrated and I'm using my talents and my time to serve the Lord. The unleavened life, whether I'm a college student, I still live in the unleavened life. It's a life without vanity. It's a life that's not about me. It's a life that's not puffed up. But it's selfless. It's selfless. I love what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21. And we just got to turn there and just pick it up real quick as we think about being sanctified and being consecrated. That God, that's why God had this feast for them. And this Passover and, it's, and what, he's, what He's doing for them and what He has done for us through Christ. It's the same thing. It's the, the shadow of the real thing. He says in 2 Timothy 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, what did they have to do in the days of unleavened feast? They had to purge out the what? The leaven. They kind of, the, the Jews, from what I understand from their tradition, they kind of made it like even like a fun game for the kids. The parents would hide leaven around in the house, and the kids, you know, they would ransack it until all the leaven was found and, and put out of the house. He says, if you purge yourself from these, then you shall be a vessel of honor, unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and here's, that's the sanctification, and here's the consecration. And prepared unto every good work, whatever that you're doing in your life. Right. Whatever that you're doing. Even if it's listening to the message right now. You're doing it in a way that is sanctified and consecrated. You've set this time aside in your life to come and listen to the Word of God. So that God may... Put it in you and that you may go out and use it in your life. This is what's happening right now. This feast took place at the beginning of the year to set the tone of living for God and of identifying with Him. And so when it comes to the leaven, the Scriptures are clear to us, especially in the New Testament, that we are to remove the leaven, that we are to beware of the leaven. Let's go to a couple of those Scriptures really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he would reach back to this. 
and that he would use it to teach the church at Corinth because they had a lot of leaven in their midst and it was destroying their fruitfulness and their usefulness to God. And he said, you've got to purge this out. You've got to get rid of this out of the church and out of your lives. And I know all of you can think about in your lives, there's probably some leaven in there. I know there is in mine. I've got work to do. Lord, show me where the leaven is. Help me to purge it out. Here the Apostle Paul, he draws on this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he's thinking back to all this that God had commanded. He said, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Your glorying is not good. What was he talking about? There was sin in the church, and they were being prideful about it. They were like, yeah, we've got this going on, so what? And Paul said, so what? God's displeased. This is, this is dishonoring the name of Jesus. And it can't be named among the church of God that a man would have his father's wife, right? He said, your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. This is the unleavened life. Are as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Remove the leaven, especially the sinful pride and vanity of our hearts and minds and lives. Beware the little foxes that spoil the grapes, beloved. No sin is a little matter. No sin is a little matter. For a little leaven ruins everything. Beware of the leaven. Remember when he said that? Go with me to the book of Luke, and y'all remember who the, that he said about it. The, the pharisaical, hypocritical, pride, prideful Pharisees, these that thought they had no leaven, these that thought that they had gotten rid of all the sin out of their lives, and they were these sanctified, consecrated people. And Jesus said, you, just, you don't have any idea. You're like white as sepulchers. You're like full of dead men's bones, on and on that he went. And he warned the disciples about living a hypocritical life or being like the Pharisees, and he called it the leaven. Do you remember this? Luke chapter 12, look at this, at, at what he says. This is very important. Verse 1, in the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto the disciples, first of all, when was the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Was it the last month or was it the first month? It was the first. The first. He said, first of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And what he goes on to talk about is, he said, don't think that you can hide sin in your life and it not have consequences. Oh, I'm a, I'm a prime example of that, beloved, to my shame. I'm a prime example of that. May God forgive and restore and heal. And may he... Put, it's like Achan. Remember Achan. He thought that he could get those things that 
were supposed to be gods and hide them and keep them for herself. And it caused all of Israel to fail, right? Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees because they think that they can hide their sin in little clever ways. But he says, but there's nothing that's done in secret but what's going to be shouted from the mountaintops. Does that not make you just tremble a little bit in your soul when you think about some of your secret sins? And about how if God exposed every one of us in all the hidings, all the fig leaves that we've tried to make over our lives. Oh, Lord, help me to live an unleavened life. Purge, purge us of these things. That's what David said. Lord, keep thy servant from secret and presumptuous sins. Cleanse me. Purge me with hyssop. Give me a clean heart and a right spirit. Give me the unleavened life. Sanctify me and consecrate me to you, O Lord. Our lives must be separate. They must be selfless. They must be sincere. Now to close. It is a life of order and celebration. A life of order and celebration. I love what it says in Psalm 37. That whole song, really. But Psalm 37, I believe it's verse 23, says the steps of a good man are what? Ordered. They're ordered of the Lord. Even though he goes through all, in, in that psalm talks about all these difficulties, all these challenges that he faces. But, but God is going to keep them in his way. God set this as an ordinance, as a rule for them to keep coming back to, to renew them to the covenant, to renew them to their God. And so, beloved, try to never miss when we have the Lord's Supper here. The ordinance here, it is for your rejoicing. It is for your upbuilding. It can strengthen you in ways that nothing else can. Try to never miss. And if you do miss, ask the Lord to forgive and help you to uh, be there every time that you can. So, they were to keep the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread any way that they wanted to. Is that correct? <laughs> no, of course not. Nothing with God is that way, right? But the, when the Jews keep the Passover, they, do y'all know that the Jews keep the Passover even to this day? They're still keeping the Passover to this day. Even some that are, are actually Jewish Christians, they keep the Passover and celebrate Jesus Christ in the Passover. Now they still observe the Lord's Supper as well, but they know the true meaning of what the Passover is. And it's really neat. I'm going to share with you some things that, that they do that is so awesome to me, and, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. So they call it the seder, S-E-D-E-R. When they have the Passover meal and the unleavened bread, they call it, they actually call it the seder. S-E-D-E-R, which is the Hebrew word for order. For order. Because God commanded it to be done in a certain way, and doing things the way that God said is very important in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen? It's very important, yes. So he said that when this month comes, the month of Abib, the month of the grain, they start looking for that lamb. They start looking for that lamb, and then on the on the, and, and then they began. On the tenth day after the lamb has been selected, 
the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins on the 10th. Did it begin on the 9th, Rebecca? Did it begin on the 11th? When did it begin? On the 10th. You think that's important to God? It was. He said it begins, this is when it begins. What day of the week do we meet to worship the Lord on? On the first day of the week. Is that important? Yes, because it's the day he rose from the grave. Days are important to God. Here, he says, on that tenth day, you take that lamb and you watch it for four days. And on the fourteenth day, you sacrifice it. And you partake of it and you begin to eat the matzah. Matzah. M-A-T-Z-Z-A-H. This is the unleavened bread. And you are to eat that bread from the 15th to the 21st. And you are to get all the leaven, all the leaven out of your houses. And he says, and anybody, this is how important it was to God. And how God is a God of order. He says, if anybody has any leaven or eating any leaven, they'll be cut off from Israel. And they're not to be a part of this. And so when we come, to the Lord's Supper, we are commanded to purge the sin out of our lives and have no unconfessed sin before the Lord when we come to the Lord's table. We're to examine ourselves, aren't we? To see, am I living the unleavened life? Do I have a, a life of order? It's a life of order that God has called us to. God wants us to live our lives a certain way and to, and to live a celebratory life in Him and through Him. So it's for seven days they did it. Now, this is, the, this is the really neat part to me. And this is actually not recorded in Scripture, but it is recorded in Jewish tradition. So I want you to know that what I'm telling you is not something that is dictated by Scripture, but it's something that the Jews did in their traditions, and they still do it to this day, but a lot of them probably don't even know why that they really do it or miss the true meaning. So the matzah, the unleavened bread, is placed in the achad. Now the word achad, E-C-H-A-D, achad, it's hard to say. Some Hebrew stuff is hard. Achad, it's, it, you could say achad if you wanted to, achad. That word is the, is the Hebrew word for one. In the great Shema, the Lord our God is what? He's one, that's achad. But it means, what it's talking about is not its solitariness, but that it's a unit. It's a unit. Because it says, when Adam knew his wife and they two became one flesh, that's the word echad. One. It's a unit of one. And so this is just amazing to me, okay? So the echad, the echad is a bag that they used to put the matzah, the unleavened bread, in. It's the one bag, okay? There are three component. There are three sections in the achad. And they take three pieces of unleavened bread. The one they put in, it's never seen and never touched. The second one that's put in is broken in half. One is used and one is folded up in linen and placed back in the bag and it's called the afikoman and then the third is placed in there and is used during the feast of Passover and unleavened bread 
And so this is beautiful when we think about the Trinity, right? The Lord our God is Echad, is one Lord. And here you have the Echad, the three compartment bag, but it's all used for one thing. Not a perfect represent, representation of the Trinity, but pretty beautiful nonetheless. Especially the second piece that is divided in half. And we think about Christ's body and how that when he was in the Last Supper, that he took this one and he broke it. And about how that his broken body was wrapped in linen and placed. Just some beautiful truths. And so the Afikoman, the Afikoman is actually hidden in the house of the Jews and the children search for the something that is searched for in the Afikoman. And then I think it it could represent the Holy Spirit, the third part about how it, it the Holy Spirit permeates into all of the lives and souls of God's children. Like I said, that's not scriptural. That's not something that we could build doctrine on. But I think it's a neat tradition that they have had that we can see a lot of, of beautiful things in in regards to God and especially uh, to Christ. And so when the Jews celebrate the feast of the Passover... They do it in the order that God uh, commanded. And it is a great time of celebration for them. And so is the unleavened life. God has given us instructions of how to live our life. And he wants us to live a life that is fulfilled, a life that is full of, of blessings in a life that is to be celebrated until he returns again. So may the Lord bless us all this week and going forward to live the unleavened life. May the Lord bless you and keep you.